Welcome to the Property Developers and Investors podcast, where we explore the detail of what it really takes to achieve great success in the business of property developments and investments. Now let's get into this week's episode. Well, a very warm welcome to another episode of Property Developers and Investors podcast, and I'm delighted to invite a very special guest today and introduce the great Sam Cooper. Hi, Sam. How are you, sir? I'm great, Mark. How are you doing? Yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Now, we've known each other for what seems like years now, and uh, you know, you've got a fascinating story and loving some of the you know, the really emerging things that you're looking at. But for those of listeners who don't know you yet, can you just explain a bit about your background, what you do, and, and then we'll dig into some some interesting elements. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, no problem at all. So, um, yeah, first of all, thanks for thanks for inviting me on. It's a, it's an honour to uh, to be part of the show. So I, I listen to it, uh, you know, all the time. So it's great. Um, but yeah, effectively, I'm a uh, uh, my name. I say my name's Sam Cooper. I'm based up in in Coventry in the Midlands. Um, I'd like to um, sort of say, yeah, really, I'm a I'm a family man foremost. So I definitely think that um, you know, family definitely comes first in in my life. So uh, that's definitely always at the forefront of um, of, of what I'm doing. So. Um, part of a uh, a group called the Front Row Dads, and we're a, a group of guys that basically have this kind of motto that basically says, um, you know, uh, family first, kind of business second. So we're we're, we're family men with businesses, uh, not businessmen with families. So um, yes, yeah, so I've got a, a partner, Joe, and two kids. So we've got Isla that's seven and Jacob that's ten, and um, predominantly I've I've been in business pro for the last probably. Since since two thousand and five, I've been kind of managing the uh, the family business and then running my own businesses since about sort of two thousand and thirteen. And sort of in that time, I've you know started businesses, sold a business, um, and uh, also yeah, closed business as well. So kind of done the whole kind of um, life cycle of of business, if you like. You know, been been through uh, all the ups and downs of it. But um, essentially, now I am uh, mainly in property now. So my Property is my main kind of focus, and um, you know we we've got a small property portfolio based up here in Coventry that um, generates enough cash flow now to kind of cover most of our um, our day to day sort of living expenses. Um, and we're um, we also now run a a micro lettings agency as well, which has kind of come off the back of our own portfolio and obviously managing uh, property for other people. And that uh, that management company now is essentially it's a it's a, a long term so buy to let management company. As well as uh, serviced accommodation, as well. So we run uh, a few serviced accommodation units as well. Um, some of our own, um, some for others, and we also do some some rent to rent stuff as well. So um, yeah, and um, I also help to coach and mentor kind of newbie people getting into uh, getting into property. So um, you know, people that are just kind of starting out on their journey. So I help to coach and kind of mentor those guys. And I'm also a um, uh, a SAS tr- trustee on the uh, on the family SAS. So yeah, so that's. Pretty much in a, in, a, in a nutshell, really. So, brilliant, brilliant stuff. Well, uh, you know, starting your your business journey in two thousand and five, you certainly had to ride through a number of, I, w- I would say, cycles in the economy, but um, mm. unprecedented cycles. <laughs> I think we should should yes, say absolutely. Um, and I guess one of those one of those areas that's certainly prominent at the moment. I, I thought you did a brilliant um, presentation the other week at one of our mastermind events um, on the volatility of current energy prices, and that's yeah. hanging on everybody's lips. Whether you're a homeowner or a, a property uh, owner or landlord, um, so given your your visibility in 
maybe HMOs, service accommodation, rent to rents, and working with many different landlords. Just mm. build this picture of what you're seeing in terms of energy volatility and the the effects it's having on landlords. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, there's um, you know, um, obviously there's certain costs and, and things you can control uh, within you know when you're running property businesses, and there's obviously certain costs and things that you can't really control. You know, and obviously energy is one of those that that I think everybody always thought it was fairly constant as far as you know everyone just kind of paid an amount for for energy and um and to be honest you know i'm not sure that anyone really paid that much sort of attention to it i mean i'm probably just as guilty for that as well obviously you know you kind of went around you know switching light bulbs off and um, you know turning the heating down and things like that in your own home and also you know we obviously have one eye on obviously making sure that properties are um you know operating as efficiently as they can, you know, from a, a you know, central heating point of view and that sort of side of things. But to be honest, I think it's an area that probably not that many pe- people paid close attention to. But obviously, that kind of came to a screeching halt um, fairly recently with obviously everything that's going kind of going on and all this, all the stuff that's been hitting the press with the, uh, you know, with the with the energy costs. And it's now suddenly one of the things that's kind of come to the forefront as far as okay, you know, what's going on with it? How do we, how can we control it? You know, what impact is it actually going to have uh, on people kind of going forward? And um, yeah, and it was getting to the point where, in some cases, you know, it was it was be- becoming a significant sort of cost um, that people were going to have to manage, you know. And um, and I think if you're in a, um, uh, yeah, with, with most residential property, we're fairly protected, or we have been fairly pre- protected by the by the price cap. Um, and obviously, with that price cap kind of now moving northwards, um, you know, it seems that we're no longer protected, and it kind of. <laughs> In, in my eyes, kind of bit of, made a bit of a mockery of the um, of what the price cap was supposed to be, because the idea was to, to kind of protect consumers, and it, and it almost seems that it, it doesn't cons- <laughs> it doesn't protect consumers at all, really. So yeah, so you know, so we're seeing it, um, you know, it, it increased um, in April, you know, it increased again in October, um, and you know, and it's it's just um, you know, obviously at the moment looking to kind of go up and up, and obviously the government has now stepped in to um you know to help to shield people from that but i think what we've also got to remember is that you know um the government hasn't gone to the energy companies and say no you can't charge this what they've actually said is effectively charge what you want but we'll make up the difference you know which is um <laughs> which is strange because it means that ultimately it is you know the taxpayer that's going to pay the difference uh, in the long run so you know I think some people have kind of, you know, sighed this big, you know, sigh of relief to sort of say, "Oh, great, we, you know, we're protected. The government's stepping in." But actually, they, you know, they're, they're going to be still making these payments, and the, and the obviously the energy companies are still going to get paid for it. It's the government, and obviously then the taxpayer. So it's, it ends up being us that are actually paying for it. Well, it, them anyway, you know. exactly that. We haven't we haven't got anywhere near to paying off just a fraction of the the COVID bill yet, have we? For well, exactly, the loan and yeah. everything else. Um, Plus the energy cap, so it's absolutely right. So, what are the things you're seeing um, that landlords are are investigating at the moment? I, I guess what it's what what, it, what it's made them do is first of all measure yeah. to understand exactly what the impact. I mean, that's in raw technicolor, isn't it? You know, yeah. cash out your bank account. Um, seeing any trends and observations there? Yeah. So. Um... So, so, so definitely, the first thing I would um, ask people to, to to look at, or definitely look at, is to to look at what their their bills have been for the sort of last twelve months. You know, and um, it's really kind of about landlords, you know, taking a, a closer eye on what their expenditure and costs are going to be. So I've seen a lot of people become more um, conscious of it, certainly. And the first thing to do is is figure out actually what you've been charged over the last sort of twelve months, or what your usage has been over the last twelve months. 
Um, and I have actually put a uh, you know put a little YouTube video together on that. So maybe that's something you could drop a, a link to the maybe in the in the show notes, Mark. And you yeah. know, and people can go and take a look at that. And um, uh, and it's basically just kind of look, yeah, looking at how do you how do you actually measure what you've used over the last twelve months because your your usage over the last twelve months is going to be very similar over the next twelve months. But what's changed is the amount the amount that you're actually going to pay per unit of energy. So you can then obviously then forecast that kind of going forwards. So once you realize kind of what your costs are going to be, um, you know, what you, you then start to think about, okay, how do I mitigate these costs? So there's certain things that landlords can look at. And these are certainly the things that, you know, um, I think you should be sort of concentrating on. So the first things are, are things like, you know, putting some smart controls in place on heating if they've not, if you haven't already got them. So these are things like, you know, the um, smart thermostats, so things like Hive or Nest. Um, we use one called um, Natatmo. In our business, um, which effectively limits the, uh, the the amount of time that you can boost uh, the heating controls for, so uh, you know, um, especially in sort of HMOs and um, and service accommodation, that it seems to be the tenants or the guests' way of controlling the heating is to um, you know, wet the heating on when they get cold, and then um, open the windows when they get warm, or, or or walk out and leave the heating on all day. You know, so it's um, yeah, being able to provide better controls really. Um, you can you know, uh, look at zoning heating systems you're only actually heating particular rooms in a, in a property so using things like uh you know thermostatic radiator valves and, and zoning controls and then from a um you know a lighting point of view obviously making sure you're using things like led lights and things like you know smart bulbs and motion sensors in um uh you know in, in communal areas uh to try and keep the uh, keep the costs down and then you know you can really then start to sort of step up into kind of more expensive um you know installations where Previously, it probably wouldn't have really made any sense, but certainly now, you know, if you talk to, uh, um, if you try and get a, a solar installation company to try and give you a quote on something, yeah, they're so busy at the moment because I think everyone's suddenly gone right. You know, what can I do to, to mitigate this? You know, can I get solar, you know, solar panels put in with batteries and this sort of thing? And the, uh, you know, whereas before the, um, you know, the payback period was probably ten years plus, with the way the, the obviously the, 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 yeah, the inflation's going on the, uh, on the, on the cost of the energy prices it's probably now more down to sort of like five years you know so if you're a um a long-term landlord and you're planning to hold your properties for a long time then you're looking at things like you know solar installation um or or maybe some you know these um you know uh, air source heat pumps these sort of things may actually start to to pay back in a much shorter period of time so yeah yeah interesting i've got a few friends who've just put um i'm waiting for the stats actually um just put battery battery systems in without the solar so they're okay. just taking the arbitrage they're charging the batteries at two in the morning and discharging yeah. them during the day yeah um it's not a renewable strategy but it's it's certainly uh taking the uh the old economy seven yeah. i suppose yeah, yeah that's it yeah right. yeah but that's um you know i think there are two different types of mindset here aren't there there's um you know the, the the victim mindset of woe is me and this is what happening but but actually there's quite a lot we can do as homeowners as landlords mm-hmm. into the managing our our cost expenditure yeah uh, but also looking at the the efficiency um some of those methods as you and I both know can be quite painful in terms of needs of capital expenditure mm-hmm. so looking at the return on investment there and you know the ROIs of uh uh, have, have improved significantly, sadly, because of the increase in in cost base. Yep. Haven't seen a corresponding increase in the capital prices of um, of um, uh, renewable energy solutions. Um, 
but it, it's that sort of, I find it's always that tipping edge. We found with solar, didn't we, the, the feed-in tariffs were, were very lucrative earlier. Mm-hmm. But that's because the technology was nascent. Yeah. As the technology increases, the feed-in tariffs reduce. Um, yeah, yeah. And I guess we've seen that with some of the air source heat pump uh, grants and things. Yeah, and what's, so, um, what's interesting is is that the um, yeah a few year, a few years ago there was obviously a lot of government grants that were introduced to um, you know government incentives to to kind of you know get this technology moving. And then uh, you know I, I can't remember exactly when it was, but it's probably you know five years or so ago that the government pulled all those grants out. And uh, and a lot of the solar companies, or a lot of the companies that had built, you know, had been built on the back of these grants and and um, incentives, um, ended up going bust because they, their business model kind of no longer worked. And it's almost kind of gone, gone full cycle now because we're now to the point actually those those models would probably work again now, um, but those businesses are no longer around. So um, I think you know I think it would be a a great time to sort of get into that. Um, if anyone's looking to um, invest in businesses or, or start a new venture, then certainly you know. Renewables, solar, that sort of thing would be a good place to get into right now, I think. So yeah. Wherever there is challenge in the world, there will there will always be opportunity if we yeah. if we open up the peripheral vision and and look for those opportunities. And uh, I, I really enjoy that actually, uh, when we do those those workshop sessions of just brainstorming what mm-hmm. those what those opportunities are. Yeah. So what um what action do you do you see people exiting some of those um fixed income uh variable cost-based markets maybe like hmo service yeah. accommodation or are you seeing well, the opposite there's, there's there's definitely a um more pressure because i think you know obviously you know landlords have had a, a a bit of a beating over the last sort of few years anyway you know so i think it could very well tip a few of the kind of you know um traditional sort of hmo landlords potentially over the edge you know they can they might get to a point you know with all the, the tax changes and Increase in legislation and all this sort of thing. You know, it just see it does seem like another thing that's kind of being piled on, on top. So I think there will be um, uh, potentially, you know, as I say, sort of traditional kind of HMO landlords, you know, that have been in the game for a long time that just kind of go, you know, what I'm just going to sell up, take the money out, go and put it somewhere else. Um, which obviously then you know creates opportunity for um, for people that kind of coming into the market who are kind of looking at it going okay what can we do you know can we repurpose these these hmos maybe look at you know a different slightly different model with them um you know is there opportunities to pass those costs potentially you know onto tenants because you know and, and this is the i suppose this is the um uh you know the the with all these changes and stuff that have gone on um i know the government um probably don't think this is happening but actually all that ends up happening is that it's the tenants that end up kind of footing the bill really for everything because you know all landlords can do is they can't keep absorbing all these costs you know so eventually the costs can only be passed kind of one day one one way which is kind of downwards onto the onto the tenants you know so yeah yeah yeah. definitely see opportunity um coming up as as you know traditional landlords kind of exit um you know they're probably the ones that have got plenty of equity in the properties um you know um so they just look at it and go well you know i might as well just cash out and, and go and go and do something different essentially you know yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I, I think one of the reasons we've probably not mentioned buy to let landlords is because that exposure is firmly in the tenants camp responsible for for all Correct. bills. Yes. But of course, we've also got the changing scene on EPC ratings, mm-hmm. haven't we? With yeah. all the buy to let landlords have to comply with an EPC rating C in 2023. Yeah. Um. So you know that's coming pretty quick now. Yeah, and I think that's um, going to bite. Um. That, that is going to bite a lot of 
landlords. I mean, there'll, there'll be you know um, a, a vast amount of landlords that have no idea that this is coming in. Similar to the you know the Section um, Twenty Four yeah. tax changes, you know, where the first thing they knew about it was that you know when they felt filed their tax return, if they bothered to file their tax return, is that the count yeah you know, the, the the accountant came along and. And told them, oh, do you realise you owe the government X amount of money for you know HMRC X amount of money? And I think this is going to happen with EPCs as well. There's going to be a lot of landlords um, that are just completely oblivious uh, to what's going on, and you know they're going to get a bit of a rude awakening. I think in um, you know in 2023, which again, you know, um, looking on the bright side of it, you know, creates opportunity for people because again, it will be another thing that, that that you know traditional landlords go, oh, you know, I've had enough of this. You know, how, do, how, how can I get out and, and you know? something different so um well, de- definitely we we had a portfolio landlord uh, approach us recently um stuck in a, a real cleft stick really um they've got the problem where they've got the epc rating coming towards them um significant investment required in their property i think they were uh, i think they were e at the moment d stroke e uh, significant investment required haven't got the capital but that was further compounded by them also coming up for refinance. Right. And of course, the the the, the government are using the banks here to, mm-hmm. to force a change in behavior, um, try and get on a two to three year refinance product in the buy to let market when you're not on an EPC rating C. Well, it's hard now, but it's going to yeah. become incredibly difficult uh, over, over the next 12 months, which is going to force capital uh, to be injected, or alternative of maybe an exit strategy. Mm-hmm. So if you've got the if you've got the challenge of having to come up with I don't know, say fifty thousand pounds into a property or properties, you might choose to just sell at a discount. Yes. Absolutely, which yeah. Yeah. again is another example of of opportunity that 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 awaits those that are, are mindful to to you know put capital in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I can, I can, I can, you know, you can talk, you can almost see it unfolding in front of you, can't you? You know, and um, yeah, and it's about being in that, you know, being in the position so you can, you know, go and help those landlords to, um, you know, if, if they decide they want to get out, you know, being in the position and, and probably starting those conversations sort of now, um, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, talking to some of these traditional landlords saying, you know, do you realize this is kind of, you know, what's going on? This is going to happen. And, you know, are you ready for it? You know, what your plans are, you know, if you can start having those conversations now, you know, uh, few minutes down the line they might actually go you know what let's see if we can um, you know let's see if we can move this property on instead of spending you know as you say 50 grand trying to get it up to an epcc you know so yeah i, I think there's a lot of merit in that and and as you say it's it's pipelining as well it's those conversations um the first few seeds sown might st- fall on stony ground but in three six nine twelve months time that phone might start ringing and say oh, okay i remember that conversation we had now's yeah. the time for us to have a have a serious chat um yeah so you i want to take you back to the early part of um the podcast you you, you mentioned family um mm-hmm. i know your you know our, our friendships lasted for for many years and i, I know family's right at the heart of of what you what you do and some of your emerging strategy as well would you share with our listeners uh, maybe a bit of your personal story and how that's translating into your your property strategy yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sure. So, um, so I mentioned earlier we've we've got a son, Jacob, that's uh, that's ten. So Jacob was born uh, with special needs. So he was born um, eight weeks early uh, with with cerebral palsy, and it, we it took us probably a year to actually kind of realise that um, you know something wasn't quite right. I mean, basically the 
yeah, you're kind of not told straight away. It doesn't, it doesn't kind of happen like that. It, it basically, you, you kind of notice that they start to just miss development markers. So where normal kids would kind of, you know, start to sit up or they'd start to crawl or you kind of go, well, he's not really doing that. And, you know, so, so it took us, it took us probably the first sort of year of him being around to us, um, to realize something wasn't quite right. And it actually took two years before we got a proper sort of diagnosis. Um, and again, because they don't like to sort of, you know, label if you like too too early on, you know. So, so eventually, yes, we, we got a diagnosis that he'd got um, several palsy, which um, effectively is a is a is a brain injury. Um, you know, it means that he, he was starved of uh, of oxygen some point during um, either either you know before birth or or just after birth. So, um, so what it uh, kind of it, it kind of changes your focus a little bit if you like. You know, um, I think that you know. Um, I think as parents, you know, I know obviously, Mark, you're you're you know um, a parent to four kids, and uh, you know, and as and as parents, I think we we always worry, obviously, about kind of what our kids are going to do, you know, when they're older. You know, we always have that kind of thing in the back of our head. It's like, you know, okay, we've got to keep them alive and keep them sort of going and keep them kind of, you know, uh, show them the best way in life and try and be a you know a, a good leader for them, if you like, you know. And then you sort of kind of think, you know, by the time they're sort of eighteen, twenty-one. Or in my case, let's be honest, you know, sort of late twenties, you know, they probably go off, you know, go off on their own sort of path and, and do their own thing, you know. Um, but when you when you have actually when you have a child with special needs, that child could be dependent on you for the rest of its for the rest of your life and potentially for the rest of their life as well, you know. So you kind of don't get that feeling of, you know, by the time they age, they, they by the time they hit the age of 21, you know, they're going to be kind of off on their own, um, on their own path. You know, you've got to plan a little bit further than that so yeah so for so for us it was you know um we've obviously got an insight into the into the the world of of, of special needs and we're you know we're really fortunate as a as a family in that you know jacob's condition um it affects his lower lower half um but you know cerebral palsy is the same as a lot of conditions is on is on a scale it could be you know um, on a scale where you wouldn't really know that somebody had kind of got it all the way up to you know um people that you know uh, can do very little for themselves and need a full kind of support package you know sort of 24 7 so we kind of we're, we're we count ourselves as quite fortunate actually we you know jacob's condition it kind of sits kind of you know towards the bottom end of that that sort of scale but but what it you know kind of it gives us an insight into that world and you know we're fortunate also from obviously from what we've done through business and through property you know, we've built kind of, um, you know, recurring recurring income streams uh, through property, which, you know, um, afford us an, an amount of um, uh, financial security and time, um, you know, b- being able to provide sort of time you know, for, for Joe not to have to have gone back to work after the kids were born, you know. Um, so she, you know, has essentially become, you know, she, she you know, looks after Jacob and, and Isla sort of full time and, and is able to take the time to be able to take Jacob to lots of appointments and things like that. But, you know, we, we know that, you know, not everybody's in that sort of position. So something that's really close to our heart is is how can we, um, you know, how can we help other families with kids with special needs um, to live better lives, essentially? And um, and how can we tie what we know about property and business in with that as well? So we want to use property and uh, property and business as a vehicle to be able to support those uh, support those other families in the same way that we've, that we've done it for ourselves, really, you know. That's that's just amazing, just just amazing to to bring your why and your passion and your business acumen all to to, to bear there. Um, so the type of opportunity to do that, um, are you finding that difficult, or where's where's the progress coming? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so um, in two areas, really, we're, we're focusing. So one is we already work with a, a local supported living company in Coventry. So we, we rent two of our properties to a um, you know, a supported living um, company. So they, they house um, kind of vulnerable adults. This is part of the, you know, um, you know, when, you know, when Jacob or, or, you know, get, or when, you know, somebody gets to the age of 18, 21, you know, they may not want to live at home with their parents anymore. And, you know, and um, so they might decide they actually want to live independently. So there's companies out there, supported living companies um, that provide this sort of a, you know, accommodation. So they provide homes with them and they'll provide, a, you know, a full-time carer that kind of goes and lives with them. So um, we're actively looking to work with more supported living companies so we can, you know, source property. We've got the um, the management company in place already, and then we've got the you know the supported living companies that we can provide the the properties for. So we want to kind of you know work um, with these organisations, and obviously then work with with private investors to bring the the capital in to then be able to source the property, and then you know then put it with the uh, with the providers. You know, and it's um, it just ticks a lot of boxes. Um, you know, it, you know for us as investors, for us as you know, uh, special needs parents, you know, and obviously um, for the people that we're, um, uh, you know, we're uh, providing the, the accommodation for as well. So, so there's, there's that side of it. And then the other side of it is um, uh, one of the things we've experienced going on holiday with um, Jacob is trying to find uh, suitable, accessible um, accommodation, you know, and it's uh, it's very, it's very difficult to find it. You know, there just isn't enough accessible um Kind of you know uh, high end accommodation. You know, unfortunately, when people um, when people try and make properties accessible, they can sometimes you know they can feel a little bit too kind of clinical and a bit kind of hospital like. But you know, with the you know things that have changed in kind of materials and products and stuff out there, yeah, you know, there's just no need for that really. Yeah, you can create really high end boutique style um, holiday accommodation that is also you know functional and accessible. So we're also working on on that side of it. Uh, at the moment, and um, yeah, we've we've got a um, a project on the on the go at the moment that we've um, uh, just secured, or we're, you know, in the process of, of, of purchasing. So, um, which is is you know part of that will be turned into a accessible holiday accommodation, which is um, you know again it's a, it's been a lifelong dream of us, if you like, to to have our have a holiday home. I think you know a lot of people kind of aspire to have a holiday home, and we've kind of looked at it and gone, actually, why don't we again combine what we know about the special needs world and make it you know make it an accessible and open it up for. For, for other people to use as well. So, um, yeah, so there's a couple of things that we're working away on there. So, oh, I think that's, that's absolutely marvellous and, and all the best with that. And uh, maybe that. we can do a, a follow-up podcast um, when that comes online as well. So Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant. So uh, the plans for the future, I mean, you've touched on quite a lot of the emerging plans. Do you see just doing one uh, and then potentially roll that out as a, as a, as a product, if you like, elsewhere in the country, or yeah, I think I think the um, so so we are as you say, kind of testing the model a little bit at the moment. So we've got a, a site that we're working on, and um, and, and yeah, we're ninety ninety nine percent sure that that the that the demand is there and that it's, that it that it that it works. But yeah, what we'd like to do um, long term is to um, actually set up more of a um, a complex, so a complex that is um, you know. Centered around a uh, health and well-being sort of center. So uh, you know, um, if you think kind of um, you think kind of mini mini center parks, but completely accessible and, and open to, um, uh, to to anybody that would kind of want to come along to it. But especially people that have you know, got members of the family with uh, with special needs. Um, you know, going 
going on holiday with kids is um and and you know and, and let's be honest going on going on holiday with members of the family can be can be stressful at times um but if you throw somebody into the mix that's got kind of extra needs it kind of you know it really you know, extenuates the um, um you know the, the stress sometimes so if we can provide an environment where you know people can go away the whole family can go away and relax and enjoy themselves and the the equipment and um and everything that is there is is uh, is provided for them you know um, and then with with staff on site that can um, provide help and support and services, so you know the whole family can get a break. Um, then yeah, then that's, that's that's kind of what we're working towards, and we can see these um, these these complexes, you know, kind of being dotted, kind of all over the country. Really, you know, we're we're, we're focusing at the moment in kind of North Devon. That's you know, purely um, purely uh, selfish, if you like, because that's where me and Joe have always uh, always holidayed. You know, in fact, we've we have just come back there from from down there this weekend, so looking at places so um but yeah if that model works there's no reason why we couldn't then pick that model up and go right well let's drop one in in wales let's drop one in scotland let's drop one in you know portugal or spain or, or wherever you know and, and really kind of you know um open things up really and kind of make the world try and make the world more accessible for people that, that want to go on holiday really you know? yeah so what what could you share some of the the lessons you've learned um, in developing either that strategy or some of the other diverse array of interests that you've explained to us earlier on? You know, what yeah. what are those challenges and some of the lessons you've learned? Well, I think um, I think something I've learned from yeah, kind of running businesses, as you say, from sort of two thousand and five, and and kind of you know through obviously through the seven eight you know recession and and, and that sort of thing is. Um, I think for me, it's it's just constant change. I think you 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 know we 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 were guilty originally of of not you know um, not developing things sort of quick enough. And you know if you're not you know, if you haven't got this kind of uh, this this mindset of constant development, constant constant change, you know. And they, and they they say that you know change is the is the only constant, isn't it? You know, and you've got to get used to it. And um, I think you've constantly got to be you know evolving your products evolving your services um you know and you know developing and changing your people as well you know um i think that's one of the one of the biggies for me um um uh, yeah it's, it's, it's constant change i think you've got to be constantly sort of you know re- reinvesting in, in in what it is that you're working on and um and developing your business brilliant Things that sound still do they so well, they, they they certainly don't it's kind of evolution really and uh, i think we've put uh, the mindset of Sometimes we put ourselves under an inordinate amount of pressure to make those seismic shifts in one one step, one foul swoop. Uh, but actually, the reality is things evolve, don't they? They graduate over time. And it's the constant little chipping away at the goal or little chipping away at a certain problem. Uh, little, you know, a few minutes each day just compounds over time. Um and I think we'd both agree. I'm, I'm sure that some of the greatest opportunities as well come from adversity or challenge or or just emerge from that peripheral vision out of nowhere. You know, never even thought of some of the business plans that we're now working on, uh, you know, three years ago. Um, they just happen by putting yourself out there, being engaged, taking action and being involved. Yeah. And, and also, you know, surrounding yourself with the right people as well and i think that's one again something that i've kind of learned you know going from um uh yeah going into sort of you know managing the said the, the the family business you know being a being a business owner can be a really lonely place you know it can be um you because know, you it's one of the things you know you can't um you know, if you get stuck with a with a problem as a, as a business owner you know you can't phone one of your competitors and go well, how do you do this how do you you know how do you guys sell this to those people or how do you guys develop this you know so 
by by putting yourself in an environment and you know surrounding yourself you know with the right people you know there's an old um jim Rohn saying that you know you become the five people that you you know that you that you surround yourself with and and by doing that you you know you, you give yourself the opportunity to have obviously support and um uh you know and 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 see different things that are kind of going on and like you say you kind of open your horizons to to things you know you kind of take the blinkers off for a little bit and, and see what everyone else is up to and go oh that's good you know i can i could do a bit of this you know and um it's part of the reason why you know i you know obviously i'm you know part of the the equa equa academy and you know and and it's such a huge kind of you know resource of people that um you know provide such an amazing you know support network so um yeah Oh, thank you. Thank you. And thank you for your contribution back into that community. That's hugely appreciated by 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 so many. So what, one question I always like to finish um, uh, each podcast on is if given what you know now, if you were to take yourself back to your teenage years, what give us one piece of advice that you would give to your younger self? Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? It's because um, there's so many, isn't there? There's so many sort of things where you think back and, you know, not that I have any regrets in particular, but you do think, oh, if I only knew that back then, you know, and, uh, and I think things, things would be different. Or, you know, but um, I think for me, it was, um, I think just be cautious or be conscious of who you're spending time with. I think that um, I spent, you know, a lot of time uh, kind of bouncing around in different sort of jobs and, um, you know, sort of surrounding myself, you know, with, with friends and stuff at the time. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, necessarily change that, but but I just be conscious from a, a a business and a development point of view is you know who who am I spending time with um, you know who who is it that I'm that I'm um, who who's my mentor and you know who who am I who am I looking up to because I think at the time yeah there was quite a few years I didn't really have a um, what I would say is like a, a, an official mentor I mean I had people around me that were kind of working but I think that you know. I think figuring out from an early age, uh, you know, what it is that you want to do, and then finding somebody that is already doing it, you know, a few steps down the down the road from you, uh, would be an amazing sort of step up. I think, you know, and um, and I think to be perfectly honest, I think I went around in circles quite a lot, you know, before I kind of found uh, the right sort of people that that you know surrounded myself with the right sort of people. So, so I think, yeah, definitely um, be conscious who you're spending your time with, and and look for mentors. Think at an earlier age that can help you know push you forward with what it, whatever it is that you want to do. You know, brilliant, great advice, great advice. <laughs> I think many listening to this podcast will be incredibly inspired by um, your humility and, and knowledge and, and experience and forward vision as well. Truly inspiring, Sam. Uh, if people do want to get in contact with you and understand more, or just to have a coffee and have a chat and get to know you, sure. um, how, how's the best place? Uh, where's the best place to get in contact with you? I'm pretty pretty active on on Facebook and on um, LinkedIn, so you can um, find me. You know, Sam Cooper. Um, yeah, I'm sure we can put a couple of links on the um, uh, on the on the notes on the on the podcast. So um, yeah, link, LinkedIn and Facebook is probably the best bet to uh, to get hold of me. Brilliant, Sam Cooper. Thank you very much indeed. No problem at all. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode. And if you would like more inspiration, why not join our Facebook group, Property Developers and Investors, or visit our website, www.equaacademy.co.uk.